Well, good morning. It's really great to be back up here with all of you. About two months ago now, I had my first opportunity to do this with you all. And yesterday, I actually celebrated my birthday, which means as I talk to you today, I'm a year older than the last time you heard from me, which of course means I'm a year wiser and a year smarter, right? That's how that works. Well, maybe not, but we're going to do our best here this morning because today we jump into an all-new series, and we're going to take a look in the book of James, and we're going to be talking about advice for life, and advice is a funny thing, isn't it? Now, one of the things that I do enjoy doing is I like to speak to individuals and sit down with folks who have sort of walked the journey of life before me, and they've gone through some stages before me, and I can ask some questions on how to avoid some things. I get to hear funny stories about bad advice some of you have taken, and it's fun to laugh about that in hindsight, of course. But it seems like the older that I get, the more I can look back and sort of laugh at some of the advice that I've received in life and some of the things and advice that I've actually taken in life. And it seems like everybody has an opinion. And have you ever just gotten really bad advice? I mean, has that ever happened to you where you look back and you're just like, man, I can't even believe that somebody actually told me to do that. And I listened. That's the worst part of it all. I mean, it happens to all of us. Maybe it was when you were riding in your car as a teenager with your best friend and you're coming up to an intersection and they're just like, floor it. You got this. You go through and you've got the traffic ticket to prove it. That was some bad advice. Or maybe you were at the electronic store and the man behind the counter says, you know what, you should really go for the 72-inch. You know, there's no payments for three years. It's a great deal. And then we all know what three years of unpaid interest looks like. That's no fun for anybody when you just realize that you paid for one TV, which you probably could have gotten for four TVs. And that's how that works. But then on the flip side, there are some good advice, some timeless advice that just always seems to be relevant. Things like, you know, you should never fry bacon naked. That's just some really good advice, and I actually found some other things online that we're going to have some fun with. This isn't really going to be that helpful, but it's just fun. So here's some quotes and some ideas about advice. Here's the first one. When your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice, it's merely a formality. It doesn't matter how you answer, you're going to get it anyways. That's just how that works. Here's another one. If it's free, it's advice. If you pay for it, it's counseling. If you can use either one, it's a miracle. Be nice to your children, for they will choose your rest home. Word from the wise. And then only Bill Cosby could come up with a quote quite like this. He said this, a word to the wise ain't necessary. It's the stupid ones who need the advice. And it just seems like everybody has an opinion, doesn't it? And it seems like everybody knows the best way to do things. And they're more than willing to share that with you. And it becomes hard to navigate in life sometimes when it comes to taking advice and finding the right things to do in life. But is there actually a source that we can go to that always has good advice? And it's always relevant, and it always comes at the right time when we need it the most. The answer is yes, there is a source, and we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to take a look at a man named James. 
And James wrote a book of the Bible that's actually a letter, but it is a book in the Bible, and it's basically just one big book of great advice for life. And he sort of writes this, and it's important to know before we jump into it, sort of the context in which this was written and why he wrote it and to who he was writing it. And here's the deal with all of that. James was writing this letter to the church of that day, more specifically to the Jewish Christians of that day. And this was not a good time to be a Jewish Christian because the nation of Israel had been scattered. They were living, most of them were living in poverty because they were being persecuted for their belief in God. So he's writing this story, this letter, as encouragement to a group of people who is in a very difficult time in life. They were weary in their faith. I think we kind of all go through those seasons in life, don't we? Have you ever been there where you're just weary? That you feel uninspired, unmotivated, And maybe you're there today, and maybe today you've gone through or you're in the middle of a tragedy in life, or maybe it's a marriage. Maybe you're here today and your marriage is failing. Maybe today it just seems like your kids are going crazy at home. Maybe it's a son, a daughter, a grandson, a granddaughter who is just drifted away. And you so desperately want them to come back home and embrace the relationship that you want to have with them. Maybe it's a spouse, a friend, a parent who you've been trying to get to come back to church or come to church for the first time so that they can experience the relationship that God wants to have in their lives. Maybe today you're just looking for some advice. Maybe you're just looking to find some significance back in your life. Because when we go through seasons like this, it's hard to maintain a faith in a God that actually knows that we're here. It's hard to maintain the faith that there is a God who knows the difficulty that you're in. And it's hard to believe that at times, that he knows that we're emotionally spent. That he knows we've lost our passion in life, that we're sitting here lonely and sad. So here's a big idea for today. This is what we're going to try to accomplish. We're going to try to answer some of these things by doing this. Embracing godly advice and learn from those who have gone before us. That's the advice we're given today. And we're going to break that down. And we're going to pick up in the book of James. Remember who he's writing this letter to. And he's well aware of the situation that these people are in. They're at the end of their rope and they are weary in their faith, about to give up. And this is what James says. We're going to pick up in chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. It says, Take the old prophets as your mentors. They put up with anything and went through everything and never once quit, all the time honoring God. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. You've heard, of course, of Job's staying power, and you know how God brought it all together for him at the end. That's because God cares. He cares right down to the very last detail. So today we're going to take James's advice. He says to look at the old prophets for wisdom. And we're going to look at the story of Job. And this is interesting because the story of Job that we're about to look into today is the same exact story that James is referencing 
thousands of years ago. I mean, that's the cool thing about the Bible. I mean, we're about to read the same thing he was encouraging the church at that time to do. And Job is a very interesting book of the Bible. If you've never read it, I would encourage you to. This is a a book that when you read it, it's going to depress you. But then it's going to inspire you. It's a really unique book of the Bible. And we're going to read just a portion of that. We're going to pick up at the beginning of the story of Job. And interestingly enough, it kicks off with a conversation that God is having with Satan. And no, this is not a bad joke. There's no punchline. This is actually happening. God is talking to Satan. And this is what he has to say. He says, all right, you may test him. Talking about Job. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all of our animals and killed all of our farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you this. That's a bad day. Let's keep reading. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire from God fell from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. This just keeps getting better and better. Satan wasted no time. And while that messenger was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and has killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you this. And this is the worst news of all right here. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and your daughters were feasting at your oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness, hit the house from all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you this. Here's how Job reacted. He stood up and tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked into this world from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Wow. Talk about a bad day. And as we read this, it's obvious that this is a pretty extreme scenario of a man who had everything that he loved and knew in life completely stripped away from him in a single moment. But as we look at how Job reacted and the emotions that he felt, is it really that much different than how we can feel at times when we're blindsided by tragedy? When someone who you love and trusted betrays you? When your family seems to be drifting further and further and further apart and there's nothing that you can do about it? When your parents are constantly fighting when the person that you needed most in life just wasn't there for you. I mean, we can all at times feel like just throwing in the towel, you know, I'm done. It's not worth it. I'm finished. I'm done with God. So how does Job react? This is what James says. James says, take advice from the way Job reacted to adversity. We're going to pick out three main things of how Job reacted in times of adversity to tell us how we can start to deal when these seasons in life occur to us. Thing number one, Job maintained perspective. Job actually worshiped God in his pain. Who does that? Job did it. 
Do you know how Job was able to worship in his most lowest point in his life? It's because Job had spiritual maturity. He had an understanding of the personality of God. He understood that God had given him everything that he had. And it was a lot. God had given Job a lot, but he also understood that God had the authority to take away what he had given. And this is a difficult concept to grasp, I know. And if you're new to your faith or if you're new in your relationship with God, or maybe you're here and you haven't begun a relationship, you're still trying to investigate this. I'm under no false illusion that we're all going to somehow walk out of here today and understand everything that God does, and it's fine, and I feel great about everything that happens to me now. Thanks, Ben. That's not going to happen because it's a lifelong journey that we have to take in our relationship with God to understand his personality. And there's those of us who have walked in our relationship with God for a very long time, and this still doesn't make sense. I mean, there's still things that happen in life that just boggle our minds and we're like how can a god who says he loves the world allow bad things to happen how can a god who cares so much about us take away the things that he so generously has given to us how can we reconcile those things take a look in hebrews there's a verse a couple of verses in hebrews that might begin to help us understand the personality of God and why things like this happen. It says, this trouble that you're in isn't punishment. It's training. The normal experience of children. While you were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us. He's training us to live God's holy best. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. Job couldn't even benefit from this verse. It wasn't written yet, but somehow Job grasped this deep understanding of the personality of God, and Job somehow understood that the experiences that we go through in life, good or bad, all shape us into who God needs us to be. And maybe today you struggle with this, and when you become a a follower of Christ, for those of us who have done that and have embraced that, We said that, God, I put my faith in you and you alone to save me. And I give you leadership in my life. What I've now done is I've now defaulted to God's understanding in my life. I have to default now to his knowledge and his direction. And when I don't get that, that's the whole thing about faith. God does. And if you struggle with that today, keep pursuing. Ask God the questions. It's okay. He's not afraid of your questions. He knows how you're feeling anyways. So why don't you just go ahead and be real with him today? Second thing that Job did, he maintained perspective and Job showed true faith. Our true faith rises to the top when adversity hits. Check out what James says. This is how he leads his letter to these people who he knows is going through a difficult time. He says this, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come to you from all sides. I'm sure they're thinking, yeah, thanks, James. This makes us feel a lot better. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Here's where James had a lot of wisdom. He says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work in you so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, 
Pray to the Father. He loves to help, and you will get his help. Our true faith rises to the top in adversity. Is your faith this morning based on the circumstances around you? Is your faith based on the things that are happening to you? Or is it based on the promises that God loves you? He will never fail you. If you've trusted in him alone to save you, he is always there. He won't abandon you. And he has your best in mind. That's where our faith needs to be, no matter what the circumstances are around us. And Job and James both understood that. There's one final thing that we want to take a look at Job and his reaction. And this is probably the hardest one of all. Number three, Job never blamed God. This is so difficult because after all, God has the power to stop anything or change anything, right? Let's look what James has to say about that. Chapter 1, verse 13 says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else to do wrong. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father. Those are the things that come from God, the things that are good, the things that are perfect. The other things come from our own selfish desires and our own sinful nature. Or they come from an enemy who wants nothing more than to hurt you and to confuse you about God and his love and his concern for you. That's where the adversity comes from. Yes, God does allow, not causes, but allow adversity into our lives at times. And it's important that we continue to look at the personality of God and how to reconcile that in our lives and stand our faith on the promises of God. Satan tries to mislead us in a lot of ways. A common misbelief that Satan tries to spread is this idea here that if I do good, then I make God happy and God does nice things for me. And when I do bad, when I sin, God gets mad at me and he punishes me and sends bad things into my life. Here's the problem with that way of thinking. It's just not true. It's not true. You're not going to find that kind of love in the Bible. That's not in the personality of God. Just think about it. What if your parents' love for you is based solely on your behavior? That's small love. We don't serve a small God. God's love is bigger than that. So if we can rise above that kind of love with our own kids, don't you think our creator and the creator of the world can rise above that kind of love for us? Yes. Absolutely. Our bad decision, yes, causes consequences, and he's not always going to swoop in and save us from those. We got to live wise lives. We have to do the right things. But here's the truth in it all. God loves you. He has always loved you, and he always will love you. Base nothing on your behavior. And if you're ready today to embrace him, and to let him lead your life, he will embrace you with open arms no matter what you have done in your life. And that is the truth. When we go through adversity, a lot of times we try to escape it. 
We don't want it in our lives. But James says the opposite. He says to embrace it. Let it do, let it do its work in your life. And here are some of the things that adversity can actually do in our lives if we handle it in a godly way, a way that Job says to handle it. And James says to handle it. Adversity can strengthen our faith. It can actually strengthen our faith. It can give us a new reliance on God. It can tear down our pride. It can bring thankfulness into our hearts. It can deepen other relationships. It can teach us patience. It can give us courage. And it can change our lives forever in a good way. Now, everybody hurts. It's just a fact. Everybody experiences seasons of adversity in their life. And everybody in this room, myself included, struggle with understanding why things happen. And that's okay. God can handle that. Be real with him today and ask him why. Try to figure out what is going on. But here is the most important part. Don't let your questions turn into bitterness at God, where you start blaming him for the things that are happening in your life. Got three takeaways today. Three things that I want us to take home today to help us begin to deal with and understand some of these seasons in our life. Hopefully this can help you. Here's three things you can do if you're in a season of adversity. Number one, take a look at yourself. Is there something in your life, a destructive behavior or habit that is causing consequences of sin in your life? Be real. Hold up that mirror and say, is there something that I'm doing that's causing these things that are bad to be in my life? Are you putting yourself in the way of temptation where it's easy for temptation to entangle you? A lot of times when we go through high-stress seasons of life, we allow ourselves certain things. We begin to think, you know, times are hard. I've been going through all of this. I deserve to feel good for a short time, so I'm going to engage in this destructive behavior. I'm going to allow this habit to return in my life because I deserve it. I've gone through the ringer this past season, and I need this to feel a little bit better. Don't let adversity in your life give you an excuse to compromise your spiritual integrity. Let it strengthen your faith. Number two, so we need to take a look at ourselves and then take a look at the personality of God. Maybe today you've been real and, and there's nothing in your life that you see that's, that's a major issue. And maybe like Job, for no fault of your own, God has sent you through a, a season. Maybe it's been an extended season of pain, of hardship. Maybe he's allowed that into your life for a season. I would encourage you to do this. All of the scripture that I've referenced today is in your programs. Go home and reread it. Find new verses that speak about going through hard times. But also do this. Look for the promises that God has in his word. And put your faith based on those promises, not on your circumstances. Promises like God loves you. Promises like if you've put your trust in him, he will never leave you. He will never abandon you and leave you alone. And he will never give you more than you can handle. Those are promises you will find in God's word. And embrace those promises. And then talk to him about it. 
Like I said, he's not afraid to hear your questions of why. Deal with that with him. Be real with your anger. Be real with your sadness. He knows how you feel anyways. So just say it to him and do that. And the last thing is get support. None of us were designed to handle adversity by ourselves. Our souls just can't take that. Our emotions can't handle that on our own. Talk to a trusted friend. Find a staff member here at Fellowship. We'd love to help you through a tough time in your life. Maybe it's a life group leader. But get somebody who you can get alongside of you and tell them your hurt and your pain and let them be there with you. You can't do it on your own. Maybe for a season, but that season is short. It's not going to last. So get support. And then lastly, be encouraged by this final verse. It's found in Hebrews verses 28 and 29, chapter 11. And this is Jesus himself speaking. These are his words. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let me teach you. And if you want to begin to understand the personality of God, here's a snapshot. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls in me. Let's pray. Right now, I want to give everybody the opportunity to respond in this room if you need to do that today. I want you to talk to God. There's a few things I want to challenge you to do this morning. There's three different categories you might be in. Maybe today you need to get things right. Maybe you've taken a look at yourself and it is you. You've held up the mirror and there's some things in your life that you need to get rid of. Some addictions, some habits in your life that you need to confess to God this morning. I would encourage you to do that now. Maybe this morning you need to ask God something. You're in a season that you don't understand and you need a little bit of understanding of why this is happening. Be real with God this morning and do that. And then maybe today it's time that you've put your trust in God and God alone to save you. You've never done that. And you need to tell him that he can take ownership and take control and lead your life. If you haven't done that before, I'd encourage you to do that right now. I'm going to give you just a few moments to respond in the way that you need to respond. God, we just want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the insight and the advice that you are not silent with. You've given us plenty of hope and plenty of direction on how to deal with some of these times of adversity in our lives. God, help us to respond in the way that James has encouraged us to respond and the way that Job responded. God, help us to do that today. Encourage us and give us hope and give us understanding, God. We thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Now today, you have your connection card that you received in your program as you came in. There's a couple of next steps 
If you made a decision today, we'd like to know about that. Just check mark if you made a decision today. There's a blank there if, if one of them doesn't fit you. You can just write in the decision that you made this morning. There's a place for prayer requests. If you need prayer, we read these and we pray for you every single week. Put that down. There's some information, requesting information. We'd love to get you some more information about your next steps in your relationship with God. We're about to take our offering. And as we do that, all you need to do is simply place these cards in that offering bucket. And that's all you have to do with those this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer one last time as we take our offering this morning. God, we want to thank you and ask you to continue to make us generous in our giving. God, you have blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. Lord, let us embrace that this morning. Thank you for the truth in your word. And thank you for this great, great morning. Amen.